tube out of his throat, and his throat started to spasm, correct? I think that's how it and, and he told me, he says, I started fighting him. I says, well, I'm going to go over to the doctors and check and see which was your anesthesiologist and see if he has a black eye or not. But uh, he's doing better now. Yeah. And Florence Nightingale decided not to stay home with him tonight. <laughs> You needed a break, didn't you? Just needed yeah, a break. Yeah, I, I think so, but he, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I needed a break. <laughs> I don't want to lie. Yeah, just, just go with it. Just go with it. We guys are terrible patients. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I tried to tell him, you know? Is he watching? Is yeah. he watching on live stream? Okay, well then, we'll talk about you then. We want to welcome everybody watching on live stream, and uh, we're getting ready to start here. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, there's a chill in the air out there, but we're thankful there's a warmth of your presence here, and the good fellowship, and, and we can laugh together, and study your word together, and weep together, and pray together. We're asking, Father, as we're closing in on the final parts of, of 2 Samuel, that you'd give us some insights for living and that you'd teach us through the life of David. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> and just so everybody knows, what we've been quantum leaping on purpose because, I don't know about you, I can just take so many rebellions <laughs> and, and so many people backstabbing King David and, and so many uh, unique sinful things going on in the kingdom and so we're, we have leapt up to last time we were in Psalm 18 which at his lowest point his kingdom is a mess his son has just died another son was killed by the his one son, imagine that family gathering, you know. And people have rebelled against him. And, but at his lowest point, the Psalm 18 that God has put in his heart many, many years ago when Saul was pursuing him. That's what the superscription said. It came back to him. And I'm praying that sometimes in the lowest points of our lives, a word can come back to help us. We feed on the word of God, and as we do so, it's in there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Just a thought. It works better if we all do this thing together, okay? Turn, if you would, to Psalm, to 2 Samuel. 23, 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel, is it on the screen? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. 2 Samuel 23, beginning with verse number 1. 2 Samuel? Yeah. Oh, God, never mind. 2 Samuel? Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the first. What's the first? You need to be here tonight, don't you? <laughs> Take I care. need more than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you might stay, we might keep you after class. <laughs> That's what we might do. Oh my. Uh, years ago, when uh, uh, over at Eastgate, people were coming in from work and, and just getting off work and coming in, and one of the guys was uh, uh, a driver for Coca-Cola, and he, he would come in, and he's, he's all hot and sweaty. He, he said, Pastor, if, if you want me to, I'll go home, but I'm not going to make it back in time. I, oh, just come on in. Just sit off to the side. You know? <laughs> and and uh, so they're all coming in from work and school and whatever. And so we adopted the, we, we called it the club. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> so I'm going to try this again. Second Samuel. Okay, 2 Samuel, chapter 23, <clears throat> beginning with verse number 1. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. The last words of David. This took me way back a traveling musical group I was in, uh, one of the songs we sang was The Last Words of David, and it was taken from here. It was more operatic, you know, kind of high church kind of sound. But uh, David's last words, the, uh, what's significant about somebody's last words? Or is there any significance? Well, yes was probably not the one I answer us. Okay, let's do it all together. Phew. Well, he agreed. I know he agreed. Yes, sir. Bill, it's almost always spoken from a, a, a position of truth. Yes. People trying to get stuff off their chest. People, uh, you know, trying to express how they really feel towards other people. And so, if you know these are going to be your last words, you know, you're going to make sure that you're, usually that you're, you're telling the truth and that you are um, focusing on what's the most important. Okay. Last words are considered a binding covenant in some circles. Uh, not so much anymore in the United States because we're, we've got everything have to be documented now with the last will and testament and unless you have multiple witnesses the last words of a person cannot override their standing will but uh, I, I did some research on some last words uh, there, you, you can go online and you can find all kinds of last words now some go right in line with what Pastor Jamie said. That they thought about this and they said, oh, I'm going home. You know, great things like that. 
remember one time I was visiting a guy in the hospital, and uh, the family had called me and says, Pastor, you've got to get here. He's gone crazy. He's, the doctors say he doesn't have much time left, and he says he wants to go home. Uh, would you talk to him? I said, sure. So I walked in. I said, what, what's going on? He said, I want to go home. I said, you, you realize that? He says, no, don't, don't do that. He said, I want to go home to heaven. I don't want to go home with them. <laughs> so I went out and told him, oh. <laughs> he wasn't confused. He was just out of it. He wanted to go home. Uh, I, I just picked out a few that were kind of interesting. The artist Salvador Dali did all those weird things like melting clocks and you know, all kinds of weird things. Salvador Dali believed that he was immortal. He says, I and my art are immortal. I didn't age well. His last words were, I do not believe in my death. Self-denial to the I like this one. The Roman Emperor Julian, who tried to crush the upsurging Christianity in the Roman Empire. He was in battle against forces that were protecting an enclave of Christians from his attack. And his last words on the battlefield, you have won, Galilean. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. I like that. All kinds of last words. There was several that will remain nameless, but uh, there was one famous actress who on her deathbed, uh, clergy were coming in and praying over her and says, don't you dare talk to God about me. Mm. Others are recorded as, as screaming out, the flames, the flames. I yeah. I had a good one. Good. Anton LaVey. He was the... Founder, Satan, of, yeah, yeah, founder Satan. of the, the Church of Satan. His famous last words were, Oh no, I've made a horrible mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somewhere in this room is a Bengal smoke. Can anyone see it? You want it? I, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Of all the things I've lost, I miss my mind the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's the bangles, not the bungles. Here's one that we have the last words of this person in the book of Acts. Yes, that is the price. The last words of Sapphira. Before she dropped dead. Mm -hmm. 
How about anybody remember the last words of Stephen? As he was being stoned to death? Well, he said that before, but his last words. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Woo! Last words. The significance uh, of the last words of David we're going to look at tonight in uh, 2 Samuel 23. And you say, well, is that the end of the book? Well, no, there's some stuff after that, but these are the last words basically that were recorded by David. Many times it appears people are looking back over their lives and trying to gain some perspective and speaking out of that, as was mentioned, speaking out of that reflection. Uh, and David does a lot of that in this, these last words that we're going to look at today. Uh, in verse 1, he makes it clear who's talking. He knows it's going to be written down. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. What's he saying there? What, uh, what's David getting, getting across here? He's coming to grips with several things. What are some of the things he's coming to grips with? His last words. Last testimony. That he, he was raised up. Yeah, he, he's, he's giving reverence to his father. And he's acknowledging that submission to his father. Sometimes people try to distance themselves from relatives. Uh, David, says, this is David, son of Jesse. He revered his father. Thus says the man raised up on high. He realizes that he did not raise himself up. Okay? We're going to see that a little bit later on as well. The anointed of the God of Jacob. What's he <clears throat> acknowledging there? God put him where he was. Uh, a lot of people think that I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I, I'm here because I worked harder and smarter than everybody else. David's recognizing the fact that he was anointed by the God of Jacob. Uh, he was just a shepherd boy from a small bird called Bethlehem, wasn't the first pick of anybody, including his daddy, to be the king of Israel. His brothers, what did his brothers uh, think about his uh, anointing? Uh, You've come up here to the battlefront. You, why don't you get back and mess with those few sheep you have to deal with? Leave the fighting to the real men of the family. You know, they just mercilessly uh, talked down to him. But he didn't put himself in this position. God called a shepherd boy. Amen? God called a shepherd boy. Unlikely. You remember what, what Samuel said 
when when it was what what Samuel said when he had laid hands on on the first of the sons and the Lord said no and Samuel kind of looked up at the Lord and said huh? look at this guy this tall sharp muscular square jawed guy what did God say to Samuel God man works on the outward appearance but God looks at the heart yeah man looks at the outward appearance but God looks on the heart aren't you glad and David is remembering these things on his last words he's coming back he got off track several times in his life didn't he he got off track we've studied it and we've documented it and it's a part of the proof that the word of God is true no punches are pulled you see David everybody's oh great 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 king well he had his moments where he wasn't so great that period of time when he was he got fed up with God's time and he ran off and hid out in the Philistines and he was uh, backstabbing the Philistines while he was hiding out from Saul and not a single psalm was written during that time he had a, a black season and then he has the season where everything's been going right and he decides to kick back he gets into sin with Bathsheba and it's another dark period and no psalm is written until his psalm of repentance, Psalm 51. So he has his highs and his lows. And, but he recognizes he is, he's, at the end here, he's finally recognizing, it's not because of me I'm here. I'm just the son of Jesse. I'm, I was raised up by God and anointed by him to be in this position. Humility. Why does humility play real well here at this stage in David's life? Why is this a good thing? As he looks back, he's realizing, I didn't do this on my own. Any thoughts? Just that he's acknowledging that um, the Lord's been with him and that without him he really was not. He's not king because his daddy was king. He's just the son of Jesse. A sheep farmer in Bethlehem. A suburb of Jerusalem. He's not here because he was better than anybody else. He didn't take down the giant because he was more skilled. It was the hand of the Lord on his life. Folks, if we get to the end of our lives and we think all of the great achievements are because of us. What's wrong with that? I mean, it fits in with today's society. You need to, you're the best, you're, you know, all of this, you're, you're, you're a wonderful person, everything positive about you. But David's come to the place where he recognizes without God, I'm nothing. It's just a kid from a small little town that God anointed, God called to be king. And then that last line, the sweet psalmist of Israel. What does that tell you? The way he links 
his royalty with his ministry as a psalmist. Anything? Give me one of those nights, I think. Well, he, because of him being the psalmist today, he, he's the one that helped Saul through his struggles. He was officially just, you know, gave up. But, but he was there for him, and God used his ability to do that for that reason. Yeah. All the accolades, but being a psalmist was still high on his list. He got away from it at different times, as we mentioned in his life. He got away from it. No psalms during that, what was it, two and a half years he was with the Philistines. But he's still, he's looking back, that, that was good. God was speaking through him the psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, all of the things that were flowing through him, scripture-wise, he kind of thought that he lists that last as if that's the crowning achievement. Not being king, not being anointed. But I had the privilege of being the, the psalmist. It's of almost Israel. the prophetic announcement in too that we know him as what the psalmist David. Yeah, it's it's you know that's where we I wonder if, if what David would say, I know he, he's acknowledging this probably around the throne, but down here on earth, when people are going through struggles, where do they turn? What book of the Bible do they turn to more than anything else? Huh? <laughs> Well, I gotta know what it was. What'd you share? Revelation. Okay. Yeah, Leviticus is a big on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Numbers is my, Numbers. you know, God's telephone book. But, <laughs> but over the years, I have found that when there's difficult times, people turn to the Psalms. For encouragement. I was doing a, a funeral not long ago, and the funeral home had printed up, you know, those little cards they have, you know, they'll put a scripture on it. And they had put the people, the family had asked for the 23rd Psalm. Many people do. Or the 100th Psalm, but the 23rd Psalm was on there. And and when they went to the, the funeral home, they opened it and realized they had used a modern translation. And they took it up to the funeral director and says, this isn't the 23rd Psalm I know. You know, you go back to what's familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. And, and it, there's, a, there's a warmth and a, a confidence there. When I'm doing a, a funeral, it, there may be people there that are not serving the Lord, don't know the Lord, but when I start doing the Lord's, the, the, the Lord is my shepherd, you can see their mouths move. It's in there. If you raised your children in church, your grandchildren, 
You say, well, boy, they, they turned their back on, on God. It's still in there that the Holy Spirit can touch. And God used David as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And people have been blessed and strengthened. I know many times I, when, I, when I'm going through different things, I turn to the Psalms and, and I'm refreshed. I'm uh, going to be hitting the Psalms a little bit uh, Sunday morning about the, the topic that we're on. The, just the, the strength of the Psalms that is there. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. I'm back to King James. Sorry about that. <laughs> Who made heaven and earth. Uh, bless the Lord. Say with me, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It, it's in there. And he lists it last. And generally speaking, when people are doing obituaries, they kind of list some of the, the big things in their life last, their family. David is, David is listing the big thing here. I was anointed, I was the son of David, son of Jesse, anointed king, I was a ruler. But I was privileged to be the psalmist, sweet psalmist of Israel. And his ministry goes on to this day. We, we read the Psalms. We sing the Psalms. It's amazing how many hymns and worship choruses are based entirely out of the Psalms. And uh, as you read through it, you, the, the songs just come alive. Now look at verse 2. Well, we've only got one verse so far. Sorry about that. We've only got one verse so far. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The Rock of Israel spoke to me. What's David saying here? He's just said he's the accolades of, of who he is, but he's the sweet psalmist. What's he saying about even the source of the psalms that he spoke and sang? Holy Spirit directed it. Yeah, it was not, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through me. The Lord God put those words in my mouth. It's an important distinction. What if it was just, what if David would have said, uh, well, I came up with these great ideas. I, I looked at the sunset. I was inspired by the sunset. And I wrote these words, these, these psalms, these Psalms. Is that the same as the inspired word of God? <laughs> no. This always troubles me. And you many of you know this. This bugs the stuffings out of me. You get into Bible classes and you'll hear speakers about biblical subjects, and they'll say, now this is what Paul was trying to get. This was what uh, Peter was trying to say. This is what, you know, this, this is what he... I'm, I'm a simple guy. I believe in the inspired 
word of God. That it wasn't just David saying, ah, this would be a nice poem. I believe the Holy Spirit moved upon him. Men of old wrote as they were inspired by the Spirit of the Most High God. Inspired by God. Uh, it's not just uh, John the Revelator saying, boy, I'm going to give him a thrill here. <laughs> no, he's, he's speaking what the Lord told him to say and what he's writing down. You get that what I'm saying? The difference between being inspired by other things and it was inspired by God, not man. What's the big deal? Why am I so hung up on this? That's no one knows. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's a tendency, and we all have it, and I've done it. And uh, we we tend to read something, and we can lay our own ideas down beside what the scripture says, uh, like on one scripture, and just say, you know, this is what it means, and this is why I believe this, and we can do that. And we have to look at the whole of the Word of God, you know, in context and so forth, and not just, so, you know, you see that, well, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say, but, you know, I, I better not say it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's just unfortunate, you know, and, and, you know, we've all done it, and I do it, and um, so, try to make something, say something that it really doesn't, in the light of, you know, Scripture is all I guess what I'm trying to get at is that if David or Peter or John or Luke or Matthew or or Paul is the brains behind this book, what are the problems that we have? Yeah. It's putting the credit squarely upon where it should be, upon the Holy Spirit. Because if, if it was Paul who was a genius and wrote it, we'd have to give praise to Paul also. But he wouldn't want that. He wants us to praise, praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I get a thousand books in my library. The Bible would be nothing more than another one of those books. It wouldn't be any different. The, we obviously treat this book way differently than we do any other book. It's our foundation. It's our authority. So if it was just written by man... Yeah, there's no authority. It would be like me saying, well, uh, Dale Carnegie said in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he said, oh, if Dale Carnegie said it, wow. Man. But I love when Billy Graham used to say, the Bible says. The Bible says. And it takes it out of the realm of, oh boy, Paul was really upset about this. Or uh, John was really, and oh, uh, Moses was really. The Word of God spoken through the instrumentality of men. It's anointed, not because the person had the ideas. They were just the, the, the pen 
The ink was the Holy Spirit flowing through it. They were just the instrument of writing. You can pick out uh, different characteristics of the people. You know, Paul writes a little bit differently than John writes, but that's the pen. You know, you can pick out somebody's handwriting, right? You know, you can, except mine, you, mine can't read it. But, uh, but the ink is what we're looking at. The Holy Spirit is that which is inspiring, and it's, it's through the instrumentality of men who sees that their personalities come through. But it's God's Word. It's God's Word. And very classically, as we, we studied before in the book of Revelation, John is writing down what he sees, okay? And most of the book is filled with words like, it was like, as if, as it were, because he was trying to write things that haven't happened yet. Situations that haven't occurred yet. Well, it was like a voice of many waters. Well, what is that? He's trying to put it in his verbalization of it to express what the Holy Spirit is saying through it. Very similar. When there's an operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there may be a message in tongues and interpretation. It doesn't say translation. It's interpretation. It is through the, the verbiage that that person has, the Holy Spirit connects those dots and speaks out a word. Yeah, you can hear the, uh, the, the twang from the guy from West Virginia through it, but it's God's word speaking through as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of prophecy. You know, if, if, if it was just the words of men, we were studying this morning in the book of Nabal, and uh, I'm so thrilled. If you run into Nahum in heaven, you don't have to be ashamed now because I've read your book. But the, uh, the essence is, if you walk up to Nahum and say, boy, I really enjoyed your book. He says, what are you talking about? I just wrote what the Spirit spoke to my heart. And you'll find this Many times, in, in, again, referring back to the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, sometimes the guys who are being used, the, the people, the individuals who are being used in the gifts of the Spirit cannot really recall anything they said because it was the Holy Spirit moving upon them to share those things. So, it's the Lord's words, not ours. Yeah, it's, it's an impetus of, from the Holy Spirit flowing through a human vessel and <laughs> one time uh, we were in a service many years ago and uh, we were trying we were teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how that to know that the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring out a gift in a in a public service or whatever and uh, I was so proud of this person they, they start, the Lord is, is saying to his church, and he said a few lines, and he says, that's it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make stuff up. That, that 
that's all the Lord gave me. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Praise God. He, he didn't try to manufacture his own. There was a, an evangelist that was traveling around uh, back in the, in the 50s, and uh, he came to a particular church, and uh, the pastor of the church had heard some bad reports that this guy was uh, kind of getting off into his own realm, and uh, the service started, and, and he was going to, he was going to have a chat with the with the boy about his prophetic words. They they weren't from God; they were just out of him. And uh, and the Holy Spirit says, "No, I'll take care. Of it. I'll, I'll take care." Of it. And so. Praise and worship is going on, and a message in tongues comes forth, and then this fellow stands up like he's got the interpretation. Thus says the Lord God Almighty, if you do not change your ways, I will write Michelob across your forehead. <laughs> he was thinking about Ichabod, you're cursed of God. Right, Michelo, and everybody just fell on the floor laughing. <laughs> and he just turned and walked out of the room. And he just left the service. We have confidence in the Word of God because it's not the Word of men. If some, someone were to say, well, I have this strong opinion that Jesus is going to return. So, I've got 50 other people say he's not. But the word of God says, Jesus is going to return. I stand on that. It's that rock solid thing. And David is making a point here by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through him, he's acknowledging the fact that this, the Psalms, all of these things, I didn't put myself in this position. I didn't come up with the ideas and the material. You know, right now I find it kind of funny that the night talk shows on TV, I don't watch it, but the night alleged comedy talk shows on TV are going to have to go into reruns. Did you see that? Yeah, the writers. You know why? The writers are on strike. Now, you thought those people were funny, right? <laughs> no. They're reading material that was written for them. Those are the guys that are funny. Or not. Or not. And they're tied to their material. You say, well, I was watching the, the Tonight Show or whatever, and they, are, they interview people. They're not just winging it. Even the guests are on script. There's something behind what you're hearing. And in, in this, David said, I, I'm not the author here. I just got to sing the songs. And they came from the Lord. My position, my rank, everything that's good about me 
came from God. And the words that I spoke, God put in my mouth. Woo! David's come a long way, hasn't he? He started off strong, had some weak spots in the middle, but he's, he's come to a conclusion that it's, it's not me. The Lord spoke these words. The rock of Israel spoke to me. And I just shared it with you. You remember when Herod, let's see, Herod uh, Antipas, no, yeah, Herod Antipas, was out on a speaking tour. He went to, he went to Caesarea Maritime. Don't look at me that way. Anybody remember this story? No? Okay. It's, it's in this book. Big <laughs> book. <laughs> book of Acts. We studied that not long ago. And he spoke at the, the amphitheater there. We'll be visiting that. He spoke there. And the people, he's standing on the main floor, and the theater is up there, and there's tens of thousands of people up there. And he just was a great speaker, I guess. And the people began to say, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And he says, thank you very much. And you know what happened to him right after he took the credit? He dropped dead on the spot. And the people were watching worms eat him. Sorry about those who are still consuming food. <laughs> Glad they didn't serve spaghetti tonight. <laughs> David is acknowledging what me. It was me, but it was God speaking through me. I can't take the credit. We have a... This one of my pet peeve stories years ago. You remember the, the song that was around some of you this before you were born, but young people. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Everybody remember that one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Say along. <laughs> the people that wrote that sued the Catholic Church for using it without paying royalties. Does that bring anybody else's child? <laughs> yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. <laughs> they wanted credit for that. They wanted credit for it. There have been legal battles over scripture songs. Okay? Musical, Christian musical groups say, we wrote that. No. You put music to it, but the words came from the book. Was that a crusade one time when a very famous evangelist was there and he was raising money uh, during the middle of the presentation. There were thousands of people there. 
and I was one of the pastors and we were up on the, the platform and it just kind of turned me well, it turned me on because he said, you know, the first uh, hundred people that come up front while we're having uh, music and praise and worship, he says, I will autograph your Bible. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh. Some of you are hiding the Bibles that you brought in tonight because you have it on. <laughs> it wasn't his stuff, okay? Dave was acknowledging, I was the vessel, but he gave me the words. Hallelujah. David is not pompous and arrogant as his last words are being spoken. He recognizes it was God. I love that old song that says, To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. For the things he has done. See, David is, is giving the credit Now look what his last, we haven't got, we're only in the second verse. Okay, I'm sorry. We're getting there. Okay. Verse 3. We're up to verse 3. And then he's given some tidbits of advice on his last words. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. Morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. What's David saying here? What is the Holy Spirit moving upon David to let people know about leadership and ruling? Yeah. Seems like someone who's ruling justly is is welcomed. It's it's something good. It's, you know, these are the things they put in here. A morning without clouds and grass springs out of the earth, sunshine after the rain. Those are all good things people look forward to and they enjoy. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where they're going with this. Ruling justly is a good thing. He, later on, he's going to acknowledge he did He's saying what you should. Yeah. What I like about this is when he says a, a, a good ruler should rule with the fear of God. Mm -hmm. He must be just. What does just mean? Fair. Fair? Honest. Honest. Justified. The blank shall live by faith. The what? Just. 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 What does it mean to be just? He's saying a ruler over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. What's, what's he saying? Honorable. Honorable, that, that it's, it's a righteous ruling 
He's not out for himself. <clears throat> He's fair. But David wasn't always fair, was he? Was he just when he commissioned Uriah to die? <clears throat> he was not ruling in the fear of God at that point, was he? He's ruling in the fear of men. He's saying here, he who rules over men must be just, come ruling in the fear of God. That our leadership, if it comes from God, we need to step under God's authority and rule in the way that would be pleasing to God, in God's justice. David has slipped in his latter years. He had, as you remember several weeks ago, one of his sons committed incest with one of his daughters and another son killed the son who did that and what just thing did David do Nothing. after that he mourned but he that rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Not, it's not going to be easy. But if you're in step with God, if God is for you, who can be against you? What else does it mean to rule in the fear of God? <clears throat> Amen. Statutes, you, you accept his statutes, you promote his statutes. Really, in the fear of God, you accept his his word, his statutes, his ways. Uh, psalm 119, another Davidic psalm. Every single verse in there has some reference to the word of God and the ways of God and the law of God. David knew all this, but sometimes he didn't rule according to that. He ruled by his own designs. But he's making a statement here. The Holy Spirit's moving upon him to set things right. He's about ready to exit planet Earth. And he had a lot of followers that looked up to him. What a great king, what a great king. And even to this day, People list, the Jews list him as one of the greatest kings of all time. But they focus upon the highlights, not the lowlights. And David, in his own words, is saying, You must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And when you rule like that, it's going to be like the sun rising, and there's a it's just rained and there's kind of a fog all over everything. But the sun rises and it penetrates and drives the fog and the morning mist away and you see everything clearly. It's bright and it's shining and it's resplendent. In leadership, if we're not ruling righteously, leading righteously, there's more confusion and second guessing. But a person who rules over men and is just, ruling in the fear of God, 
They're going to be like that light penetrating the mists when the sun rises. A morning without clouds. Now, take the weather we've had the last couple of days. Not like that, right? What's our weather been like? Have you noticed the... How many of you watch the news in the morning and look at the traffic uh, maps and everything? Anybody do that? No. Okay. Well, let me tell you, on the morning shows, they have these traffic maps, and they said, well, you know, here's the traffic camera over here, but we can't see anything because of the fall. We used to live in Bell Fountain, and it was the highest point in the state of Ohio. And the fog there was just unbelievable. When we first got there, you know, Carissa's going to school and the, we, the cool school was canceled today. She said, really? Yeah. You couldn't see. The buses couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the, the fog was just everywhere. You could, couldn't see. And, and uh, uh, they wait, they put it on a two-hour delay to the sun to begin to come up and and burn the fog off, and then they could start the routes and go. It was an interesting time living in the highest place in Ohio. You must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and that leadership under God's, God's leadership clears away the fog, and you see the, the brilliance of what's going on in the day. The difference between living in a situation where, whether we're talking the nation, or we're talking the city, or we're talking wherever, if there's no fear of God, there's no clarity in the situation as well. Now look now, look look at verse before we go on. Anything else about that first segment of his last words? Anything else? struck you when you were reading it. But look at verse 5. Would somebody read verse 5 for us, please? Who will do that? Read verse 5 for us. Okay, Quentin Scott. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation Will he not make it an increase? Hmm. What's David saying here? He just said, He that rules over man must be just, ruling in the fear of God. It's a clear, crisp morning when you do that. What's he saying now? Acknowledging his mistake. But we didn't do that. And he's not just taking it to himself. My house. What has just happened in his house? Murders, incest, rebellions, all kinds of things in his house. His house, he was not ruling in the fear of God. He's ruling in the fear of men. Although my house is not so with God. This, this is David recognizing in his last words. I didn't live it the way it was supposed to be lived. 
And he, he goes on and he realizes that the blessings and the things that have come his way, God didn't have to. Because he wasn't keeping up his part of the bargain. What's he say about even though his house was not perfect in following God, what does he say about his heritage? I've been a mess and my household has been a mess. Look at it. And yet God has made an everlasting covenant with me. <clears throat> now, he doesn't say this here, but we know what the covenant is. That one day, Messiah is going to sit on the throne of David and rule and reign forever. Wow. I don't deserve it. But God's going to bless anyway. Can I get a witness in the house? Can I get a witness in the house? What are some of the good things that God does for us we don't deserve? But He gives them anyway. What are some other things? Huh? Salvation. Our sin, we don't deserve it. Favor. We deserve, what do we deserve for our sin? Hell and death. But God countermands that order when we repent. What else? We don't deserve, and yet God blesses anyway. Yeah. Favor and opportunities to minister. Favor, opportunities to minister, to be used of Him. Sometimes, well, I'm an imperfect vessel. Yes, but God will pick up a dirty spoon and use it. Amen? He'll, he'll pick up somebody that's not worth a hoot. <coughs> now, when we start thinking that, oh, yeah, he got a prize when he got me, well, we're, <laughs> we are messed up. We are big time messed up. Yeah. Creation. Creation. The, the beauty of God's creation. Uh, the ability to see it and to experience it and, and the, to know God and the power of His creation and the power of the resurrection. We don't deserve that. Did Adam and Eve really deserve a garden of Eden that was perfect? No, but God gave it to them anyway. What else? We don't deserve it, but God bless us anyway. Well, huh? I think they deserved it at first, but then after they sinned, they didn't. Did they deserve it? I think God thought they did. Well, God gave it to them, even though He they gave them sinners. free will and choice. They sinners or nothing. They were His creation. Well, but but he blessed them with it. Let me give you a million dollars, okay? Would that be okay, all right? Yeah, sure. You deserve it? Do <laughs> you deserve it? Larry? Do you deserve it? I do not deserve it, but I pray right. I use yeah. it in the right way to glorify the Father. Yeah, but I didn't ask you that. I said, would you, would, would you, did you deserve it if I gave it to you? No. Don't count on this. <laughs> don't, don't, don't hold your breath. Those of you who are holding your ears and paying in the on the camera side there. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't deserve the, the stuff that God does. 
how good of a person you are, or how nice of a smile you have. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God, anyway, blesses us. What are some other things that we don't deserve? God blesses anyway. His love. His love. We don't deserve How many times, on just two hands, uh, with ten fingers, have any of you let God down before? <laughs> All the time. How many of you have made him promises and you didn't keep them half an hour later? You know? And we don't deserve his love. But while we were yet sinners, amen? Christ died for us. David said, I don't deserve it. But look what he's done. He's blessed me with an eternal covenant. He believes that God's going to keep his word that one day Messiah is going to sit on his throne. He's going to keep it active and alive. And I believe the same thing. I believe that one day Jesus, when he descends from heaven and he sets foot on the Mount of Olives, that thing's going to split wide open, Zechariah tells us. He's going to march right in and sit down in a newly built temple and rule and reign for a thousand years. And then he's going to rule and reign forevermore after that. And will be called the throne of David. Didn't deserve it. Real quickly, any, anything else that you can think of that we don't deserve it, but he blesses us anyway. Our health. Our health. Uh, we don't deserve it. I mean, we complain about it, right? <laughs> How many of you had a couple aches and pains that... Uh, <laughs> I remember when I used to be able to get out of the chair. <laughs> and not, not sound like a marimba band when I'm walking down the hallway. And, uh, oh, that hurt. And, and, and you know, you, you, things come up. But did he have to give you help? Yeah. Just like kids, you know, the opportunity to raise kids. Oh. Wow. And, and let me let me just tell you, if you don't have great kids, are you better? God <laughs> should have had them first. We should, we should, we should have them. They're a whole lot more fun. But uh, oh, what a blessing! What blessings we get to experience this. This, this summer is, is jam-packed full for us. We get to, this Saturday, we get to go up for the graduation of my one granddaughter. And uh, just, and then a couple months later, we're going back up north and we're going to have a wedding. And she's, she's getting married. And uh, this Sunday, my other grands, grandson, her older brother, is going to come be guest musician with us. Uh, he's the lead worship leader in Lake City down in Kentucky. And he's going to be with us Sunday because, I mean, he was around anyway. Grandpa invited him. <laughs> and and, uh, and then, then later on in the summer, I get to go with my youngest daughter as she leads a missions trip to Myrtle Beach to touch young lives. I get to watch my 
my my daughter Agreed. leave in ministry, and then I, I also get to watch because because my granddaughter and your daughter is going to be helping me with the gospel messages every single day. Amen. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Good one, Tom. Give that man a piece of cake. Put it in his But we don't deserve it. And David is reckoning, I don't deserve any of this. He who rules over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. Uh, good, clear, crisp leadership. But my house is not that way with God. Yet, hallelujah, he has made with me an everlasting covenant. Things and secure, it's not going to fade away. I may mess up, but he has a security for me. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? Woo, powerful. We only got through five verses, but we're working on it. Real quick, just two more. Other things we don't deserve. But he blesses us anyway. I like what my cats. What? Says. Cats. Cats? Cats. Dogs we and certainly cats. don't deserve dogs. Dogs and cats. We love dogs our cats. Our pets. Yes. Our cats. We love our cats. Yes, yeah, we, we love our pets. I, I love, we loved Paisley until Paisley uh, went on to Real dogs, yes. As I said, my grand dog's home. Just like I said, my grand. Uh, it was it was funny uh, months ago when when we had two grand dogs, no, three grand dogs at the house at the same time, and they all wanted to sit on Linda's lap. Couldn't see Linda. These two of them were huge. I mean, they're massive. 80, 90 pound dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, the things we don't deserve, but God blesses them. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve a new body, but we're going to get one. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't deserve it. How many of you would, would admit you've mistreated the body that He gave you the first time? Yeah. You, you've done things you ought not done. You remember when you lifted that thing you shouldn't have lifted, and you, your back still hurts. Yeah. 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 When you ran into the fire, you went through the floor. Yeah. You know when you. Uh, my my older brother when he when he took a claw hammer and just thought it would be a great idea to hit a volleyball. Oh. <laughs> say detached retina. Uh, you know, we we don't deserve but he's going to give us a new body. Amen. We're, we're going to take better care of the next one. Amen. It's like Brother Crabtree, our former superintendent, used to say, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. He had a heart attack. Yeah, he had a heart attack. David, his last words, powerful, poignant. He's looking back at a life and he realized, I, I messed up some things, but I want to give advice to those who follow in my footsteps. What are some advice that you would give? We're going to stop. 
What is some advice that you would give based upon your walk with God? What would be some advice that you would give to the next generation? Yes. I, I always tell young people, so don't wait, don't wait so long to get saved as I did in my life. I, I regret not being getting saved earlier, but God has his own plans. But and then uh, don't waste your life because you have a lot of regrets. And um, probably just uh, listen to God. Don't listen to your friends when you're young. Many times, at least with me, the, I didn't hang out. I didn't have the best company. I didn't keep the best company. And, uh, that they'll lead you astray a lot of times. Yes? Trust uh, God's word that things that say contrary things to the Bible always end up being wrong. I mean, time and time and time and time again, the Bible has proven to be trustworthy. So don't jump on every bandwagon kind of theory uh, that's out there. If it contradicts the word of God, then it's just wrong. Even if the evidence points that direction, like that stuff changes more often than I change my sheets on my bed. You know what I'm saying? So it more than likely that's by a bunch of guys who had nothing better to do. It's not worth following. It's the word of God. And trust it. Trust. Yes. Uh, it kind of goes along that same line. Trust in the fullness of all your heart and not in your own. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He will direct your paths. What good advice to give the young people, the next generation. Well, a couple more. Other bits of advice, looking back at your life and your walk with the Lord, uh, what's some other advice, Tom? Honor God and He will honor you. Yeah. Honor God. Put God first. Let Him be your priority. Please Him. And and He'll He'll bring it to pass. In all your ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your paths. What's some other good advice to pass along to the next generation? Are you raising your hand or are you patting your head? Um, oh, okay. Pulling my hair. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're what? Yeah. 
come up with something unique, especially if it's somehow trying to fit a square peg in a round hole or somehow contradictory to what has always been taught and you're just in error. The main things are the plain things. And the plain things are the main things. And uh, this, is a, this is a good advice in our generation because we have religious leaders and church leaders that are saying, well, I've got this new truth. Well, mark it down. If, 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 if Paul didn't have it, <laughs> if John didn't share in it, uh, let's leave it alone. Let, let, let's leave it alone. Did you have your hand up? I, I get it. Both of them. Okay. But, uh, anyway, I would direct them to watch who they follow, who they listen to, and make sure everything they listen to or hear comes out of this, because mm -hmm. this will guide their path. And if they listen to the wrong people, that'll guide their path. Yeah. And we don't want them to be misjudged. You know what I mean? We don't want them to follow the wrong path by just the wrong people. It doesn't come out of here. Right. But be a good example also for them. If you're not a good example, you can preach this all you want. Yeah, you gotta live not it. Not doing good. You gotta live it in front of them. What do you say to somebody that says, "I believe in God, but I, I don't think that's real. It was written by people." And then you try to tell them, yeah. "No, I believe in that." His brother. Yeah, well, I have. I have a. <laughs> One of my mentors, uh, Brother Frano, taught me a lot about the tabernacle and all, everything. He had a classic line, uh, and he, he said, you know, I have, he's a little short Italian dude, he says, you know what, uh, I, I, uh, uh, I have people that come up and say, I don't believe the Bible isn't true. I don't believe the, anything in the Bible is true. He says, well, let me do something. And he says, I, I go over to them and I tweak their nose. And it says in, in Ecclesiastes, the tweaking of the nose brings forth blood. <laughs> I go over there and I get all their nose. What are you doing? What? I'm proving the Bible. This is exactly true. Yeah. Okay, now i got to put the other, put the fire here. Well, then give that advice to the next generation. Live that advice. Don't just say, well, you know, we discussed over in the Bible study room tonight. <laughs> it's going to stay right here if you don't take it out of here. How many of you know some things you wish somebody would have told you? It's only three of us, but hey. <laughs> I always asked if I wanted to know something. So the Share it. Take time to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, to have a soft heart. If there's you're having an opportunity to share with somebody, pour into their lives what th these things. Don't don't preach at it. Just share with them. David's just given these last words. He says, you know, I'm telling you, you need if you're gonna lead people, you need to lead justly. I didn't always do that. But I'm giving you a heads up. If you'll do that, God's going to bless you. And you may not even deserve it, but God's going to bless you. Right. We're going to stop there for time.
Take it and tell somebody. Or several somebody's. Prayer request tonight. We want to lift up the combination of Anvil because <laughs> she's scared for it. You know. yeah. How many men would admit you are a terrible patient? Anybody here admit it? How many wives would say that your husbands are terrible patients? <laughs> yeah, see, there's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more honesty going on there. Yeah. It's wimpy and wine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we can pray for both of them. I'm just speaking the truth. Yeah, just speaking the truth. Just speaking the truth. Speaking the truth.
migraine headaches and sick and bruises easy and falls out of bed and all that stuff. We pray for her, Lord, that you heal her and be with her and comfort her. I pray, Father, you be with my son who's going through a lot of things yes, Lord. in his life. And we pray for his ex-wife now. And uh, she's going to see the repercussions of this. And we pray that you be with her and be with my son and my grandson. It's starting to get to him. My grandkids, Lord, I pray you put a bubble of the Holy Spirit around them and protect them and watch over them because they're going through so much that's going to make different decisions for them as their life goes on. We pray, Father, for Brother Dave. I talked to him today, and he's <coughs> in a lot of pain. He can't move like he used to move. He's, he's going to try. But Lord, Brother Dave Swagger is a wonderful person, and we ask you, Lord, I ask you in the first place, that when you heal people in here, we ask that you do it just like you do when you walk the earth, because you walk the earth now. You walk the earth now, Lord, in us. And we pray for people, Lord, we want we want to see the same actions that the people saw when they, they were walking with you. And I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or nothing, Lord, but I just pray that people are touched, their whole lives are touched, their bodies are touched, and they see miracles, Lord, because you are the one of miracles. You're a great God. You're only God. And we praise your precious name, Lord. And we know that Jesus will go to you with our prayers. And we ask him to do that. He said, I'll take it to the Father. And I pray he does that, Lord. All the ones in here that are crying out for you to help them in any way, we ask you to it be shown. It be a miracle that's shown. Not just nuts and bolts and stuff that put people together, but miracles, Lord. And we pray that we see them, we get edified as a church, and you be glorified by our praise. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Father, that you would use, even today, 
if there's areas that are out of sync with you and your word, that you jar us into realizing changes need to be made. We lift up those that need a healing touch. We pray for Dave. We pray for Bill. We pray for your hand to be upon uh, so many that are facing physical challenges. We pray for Marcia's brothers, for a variety of situations that you're at work, we know. And we pray, Father, that you, you would use each situation to draw somebody's attention that God is on the job. Yeah. Yeah. We pray, Father, for your intervention in this situation with with Eric and the whole the whole thing. We we don't know how to untangle it, but you do. And we pray that you would walk with him through this this valley, this time. That he wouldn't run from you, but he'd run to you. We ask Father God for our unsaved loved ones. Those that either don't know you at all or knew you and have walked away. Yeah. Father God, that you would draw them back. Draw them back, Father. And we likewise pray that you would help us to find opportunities to share these insights for living with the next generation. That you would open up doors, open up situations, circumstances, where we can share and live out in front of them and share with them these things that we wish we would have known. I pray, Father, for each one as we leave this place tonight that we would go knowing that you go with us. That we don't leave your spirit here, but the Holy Spirit goes with us and guides our steps. We thank you for it all. We're thankful that this is not a, a book of men and by men but it's your word Amen. Yes. through men Praise you. to touch our lives Praise you. we thank you for the word tonight and we thank you for the living word Jesus Christ tonight yes. Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. Praise, Praise God I just I thought, I thought I was going to hear a boat in the middle of his prayer request and he shared anything and he yeah, wanted to share.